to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Breaking is a good thing. It sounds like not such a good thing, but it's a good thing because it puts us in a position to receive the blessing of God. You know, one of the things that really keeps us back from so much of what God has for us It's just our own ambition, our own self-will, our tendency to kind of just try to control our own lives. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapters 27 through 28 in a message titled, The Folly of Self-Reliance. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Holy wisdom prompted us to accomplish in our own strength that which, nevertheless, we should leave in God's hand. If once we enter on such a course... It will probably not be long before we cast to the winds any scruples about the means to be employed so that we secure the object desired and which possibly may seem to us in accordance with the will of God. So what he's saying is, you know, there are times when it just seems like there's no other alternative. And so we've got to take it into our own hands. We've got to come up with our own plan. And then as we move in that direction, it almost seems like, well, God must be leading us now in this way because look, it's working. It's happening. The philosophy that dominates our culture is the philosophy of pragmatism. And and, uh, the philosophy of pragmatism is simply whatever gets the job done, that's, that's the means through which to accomplish it. The important thing is the end the means are irrelevant. That philosophy of pragmatism is not just prevalent in our culture, it's prevalent in the church today. And in much of the church today, there's no longer the question of, well, how would God have us to do something? That's not even in the thinking process of many leaders. We have an objective. We've got to get more people. We've got to get more action. We've got to have more success And so here's the different strategies to do it. We're going to employ this. It's going to happen. And of course, in the end, we're going to thank God for it. But so much of it is built on nothing but the flesh. And that can happen in the life of a ministry. That can happen, of course, in the life of the individual. Man, when we start you know, coming up with some cunning plan, we start devising, we start scheming, just like Rebecca was doing, And just like Jacob was brought into, when we start doing this type of thing, we know, we should know, at least, we're not in the spirit. We're in the flesh. We're not in the spirit. And things might come your way at times. And you might find yourself in circumstances or in a situation where It will seem that God's not coming through. He's not fulfilling his promise. He's not doing what he said he would do. Oh, he must want me to jump in the middle and sort it out myself. 
God must want me to take the reins here. Never take the reins of your own life. You can be certain that that's going to lead to disaster. We have to learn to leave things in God's hand. And the difficult thing about that is that God rarely, if ever, does anything the way we think that he should or the the way we anticipated that he would or in the time frame that we think he ought to do it in. So where do we find ourselves? We find ourselves waiting, waiting on the Lord. But we can be confident. And the last thing he says, he quotes from Isaiah, he that believes shall not make haste, shall not act hastily. And then he says this, nor need he, for God will do it all for him. If God has given you a promise, if God has spoken something to your heart about some significant aspect of your life, of of your future, of whatever it might be, and, and you had this deep, you know, confidence that, man, the Lord spoke this to me. But now time has passed and it doesn't seem to be coming together like you thought the Lord had told you it would. And not only that, it seems to be going in the complete opposite direction. And you've been thinking, well, maybe, maybe I didn't hear the Lord right and maybe I need to jump in the middle of it. And a lot of times what will happen is well-intended people will come along and say, you know, what are you doing? Don't you know that God helps those who help themselves? Come on now, get up. You know, jump in there. Do something about it. Take some action. Those are the times that we have to fall back on what God has promised. You see, the thing is, Rebecca and Jacob did not need to do any of this stuff. And again, as we see, it's only going to lead to trouble in their lives. It led to trouble. But they didn't need to do any of it. They could have simply got together. The the better thing for Rebecca to have done would have been to say, Jacob, let's pray. Let's call out to the Lord. The better thing for Jacob to have done would have said, Mom, I know that you think this is the course of action, but this isn't the right thing. Let's trust the Lord. Let's seek the Lord. Let's wait on the Lord. And God could have easily circumvented the thing himself. But because they took it into their own hands, now they accomplished their immediate goal, preventing the blessing from coming to Esau. But it never would have come anyway, because God had declared already before, the older shall serve the younger. So in a sense, they're, they're trying to prevent something that could have never happened anyway. And in doing so, they're bringing hardship upon themselves, and immediately we see Esau is plotting to kill Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Stay with him a few days. Jacob never saw Rebekah again. Rebekah never saw Jacob again. He left, 
and it would be more than 20 years before he returned. And by the time he returned, Rebecca had died. And so you see how right here in the story, we see that again, although they, they gained the immediate result that they thought they had to gain, securing the blessing, but look what they lost. They lost the, the fellowship. They lost the relationship. The family was split up over this and divided. And these are the things that happen when we try to take things into our own hands. So she said, stay a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until his anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So you remember Esau had taken um, the wives of the land. So, so now Jacob is being sent, much as Abraham had sent uh, his servant to obtain a bride. So now Jacob is being sent. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham. So here it is clearly passed to Jacob. Give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padan Arab to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And so just verses six through nine, a little side note on Esau. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there and that he blessed him and gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, which again Esau had done, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife in addition to the wives that he had. So here Esau seems to be trying to get back into favor with the family. But now Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place, and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your seed. 
Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in you and your seed, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So remember the same promise that God gave to Abraham is now being communicated to Jacob. In you and in your seed, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. So, notice God, again, no mention of the deception, no no rebuke, no condemnation of Jacob whatsoever. God is just simply reiterating the promise to him. But as we follow now the story, we're going to see that although the spiritual blessings are intact and really, to a large extent, um, irrevocable, we're, we're going to see that there is, as the scripture tells us, there is that reaping that's going to take place of the things that Jacob has sown. We're going to see how Jacob had deceived and he will himself be deceived. We're going to see how uh, Jacob had manipulated and all of those kinds of things. All of this stuff is going to come back to him. And again, the point is this. He remains God's man. He's blessed. The spiritual blessings and promises are still there in his life. But on the other hand, On a very practical level, he's having to reap a lot of consequences to his actions. And so, again, this is the thing that we can and should seek to avoid. You know, God will forgive our sins. God will have mercy on our failures. God will overlook our foibles. He'll forgive us. He'll love us. He'll take us to heaven eventually. But we might have to go through sort of a hell on earth of our own making because of our refusal to trust him or our unwillingness to obey him or whatever the case might be. So with Jacob, we see that. The the spiritual blessing is there But we're going to see as we follow the history that this act of not trusting God brought a lot of misery into Jacob's life. But back to the immediate story here. God promises Jacob that he's going to be with him. He's going to bless him. So Jacob awakes and I love this here. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He's fleeing from Esau. He's in a strange place. He's alone. He's probably somewhat frightened, maybe, to some extent. He lies down with a rock for a pillow. 
but yet the Lord meets him right there. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. You know, isn't it true that sometimes it's in the place you least expect that God meets you? Have you ever had that kind of experience? You know, you're, you're in a situation and you're just thinking, this is the worst possible situation. How did I get here? What am I doing? This is, and yet you find strangely, the Lord meets you in that place. You might even be at a place where it seems like the Lord has abandoned you. And then suddenly you find that God is in this place. But I think of how many stories could be told of of this kind of a thing that people have experienced. God knows exactly when we need to have these kinds of encounters, these kinds of moments of encouragement. And you know, it's amazing to me how long you can go on just a simple word from God. Have you ever noticed that? Remember how Elijah, he ate that meal that the angel gave him and then he went, what was it, 40 days in the strength of that meal? And it's like that with the word, isn't it? When God gives you a word, that just a word, a sentence, just one scripture can carry you through 20 years or 50 years. You just keep going back to that word. And here God meets Jacob in that sort of a way. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put at his head. He set it, set up, set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel which means the house of God. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, or probably more accurately, since God will be with me. Some people accuse Jacob of even trying to work a deal with God right here. Okay, God, if you'll do that, then I guess I'll do this. Well, sounds like a good deal. But... The tone of it doesn't really seem to be that way. Jacob is just really, he's embracing the, the covenant that God has just made with him. And so since God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. So in some ways, it seems that this is, that defining moment with Jacob where he really does himself personally embrace the covenant with the Lord. It's no longer, you know, because he's simply the, the son of Isaac or the grandson of Abraham, but now he is personally embracing the Lord. He's entering into that covenant with the Lord. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So Jacob enters into this covenant relationship with the Lord. 
we now have moved just, you know, out from the life of Isaac and now fully into the life of Jacob. And the remainder of Genesis will deal with Jacob and with his sons. And then a a large section will deal with his son, Joseph. But the rest of the of the book is is really about this man who would later be named Israel. And from his sons, the nation that God promised to give to Abraham would be raised up. And so many lessons await us as we look at Jacob. Again, a man who was in covenant relationship with God, a man who was blessed, but nevertheless a man. A man with a lot of inconsistencies and a lot of self-sufficiency and a man who had a lot of breaking ahead of him. So maybe there's application there for us. Breaking. Breaking is a good thing. It sounds like not such a good thing. But it's a good thing because it puts us in a position to receive the blessing of God. You know, one of the things that really keeps us back from so much of what God has for us, it's just our own ambition, our own self-will, our, our tendency to kind of just you know, try to control our own lives. And, and Jacob is a man who we're going to see that's his biggest struggle. He's a man in control, and he's a man who wants to be in control. But the great objective of God throughout his life is to break him and to bring him to a dependency on the Lord. And the sooner we let God break us, the better things will be because it opens that that floodgate of blessing. God's able to do all that he wants to do. And and really, you know, to a large degree, the Christian life is, it's a lot about just, you know, we we use that um, term sometimes, let go and let God. And, And there's truth to that. It's about letting go and trusting the Lord. And saying in the end, not my will, but your will be done. And the more we learn to do that, the more we set ourselves up for for God's blessing. And that will be, in the big picture, that will be much of what we will be looking at as we follow Jacob throughout the rest of the story. Let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. One of my favorite authors is a man named Mark Sayers, and he's written a fantastic book called A Non-Anxious Presence. And in the book, Mark talks about us living in a gray zone. And what he means by a gray zone is that we're living in a time between two eras. One era is passing, 
but the other era is not completely upon us yet. And that leads to social, cultural, and sometimes even personal disorientation. And so this book is a fantastic book that will help us keep our bearings during this time by keeping our focus on Jesus and what God is doing in the world despite what is going on around us. So a non-anxious presence is my recommendation. I know that you will be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World Will Create a Remnant of Renewed Christian Leaders by Mark Sayers. You can order the book A Non-Anxious Presence by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book A Non-Anxious Presence by Mark Sayers to give you a clear picture of how personal renewal happens after a crisis. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.